You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Amen. It's good to see you. I ask you to please take your Bibles or your device and go to Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. As we've been going through the gospel of Matthew, we are still in the Lord's uh, prayer now, but now we've been through the Sermon on the Mount. Now we're in the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus has been teaching us all kinds of things. First, how to properly understand his role as our Lord in our life. And we saw two weeks ago how Jesus addresses our personal life. He's our personal life, Lord and Savior, that even in our thoughts and in our anger and in our marriages, Jesus wants to reign as Lord over them. And then he talked about our public life, as we saw last week, how our uh, contracts and oaths and promises and how we deal with those who are outside of the body of Christ, how we deal with non-Christians and how we even deal with people who don't like us. And even Jesus says, I even care how you say hello to people. So Jesus addresses our personal life, our public life. And now today, Jesus, we could use the phrase, he, he wants to address our spiritual life. Now, everything is spiritual. It's not like the other things Jesus addressed weren't spiritual things. But now Jesus is getting into our lived out Christian life, our devotions to him, how we serve others and how we pray and how we fast. And Jesus wants to remind us that all of these things, giving, serving, praying, fasting, that they come with a warning label, that they're actually very dangerous things that we do. And he wants us to be very aware of the danger that comes with following him because of our sinful hearts. And so let's see what the Lord tells us. As we do every week, if you're able, let's stand together for the reading of the word of Christ. And we'll begin in verse one, as Jesus cautions us. And the Lord says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise you have no reward with your father in heaven. So when you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, Go into your private room, shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your father will not forgive your offenses. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, 
but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, help us now as we listen to the teaching of your Son. Would he instruct us? Would the Spirit lead us and, and fill us with the wisdom of your Son so that we can live out his teachings and live out his life because we've been crucified with him. And it's no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in us. So the life that we now live, as we pray, as we serve, as we give, as we fast, we now live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. So help us now, King Jesus, as we live out our righteousness, our rightness of life, with you. Help us now. It's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. You know, there's always something really funny that we do as human beings. When, when we're leaving a friend's house or you're leaving a family member's house and you're heading to the car to drive home and you're, you're at the, the front door, okay, bye, see you later. And you're walking towards the car. And what does the person say from their house to you? Be careful. What do we do? Nothing. We acknowledge it. Okay, I will. But it's not like you were, if they wouldn't have said that, you're like, oh, I'm so glad you said be careful. I was going to run every red light on the way home today. I was going to try to get on two wheels on a turn. And you're right. That is not careful. I was going to double the speed limit on the Grand Parkway. If you wouldn't have told me be careful, I would have just been reckless. It would have been gone in 60 seconds. Tokyo, you're fast and furious. I would have done all of it. No. We, we're going generally to be careful as we drive. So why do we say those things to each other? It's just a, a courtesy thing. Hey, I care about you. Just be careful. And even when we get on planes and we fly, safe travels, I'm not flying the plane. I, I have no control over this. We, we say these things to one another. It's just a kind of a human interaction. All right, see you later. Okay, be careful. Safe travels. Don't hear Jesus that way. Verse one, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others. Don't hear Jesus the way that we tell each other, be careful. Jesus isn't saying, be careful how you give or how you serve the poor or how you fast, how you pray. He's not addressing these acted out devotions to him and telling us, oh, don't do anything about it. Just be careful, okay? No, he's, he's not saying, don't assume you're driving safe in your devotions. In fact, Jesus is saying, you need to be incredibly careful. This is not a common courtesy from Christ. This is a call to examination. And he tells us this because he loves us. And because there is a real present danger when you pray with others. There's a real present danger in a setting like this, in public, on Sunday morning, during the singing, to, to raise your hands and to do it for the wrong reason. Or, or to serve on Sundays. And for the wrong, there's all kinds of things we do. Jesus says there's a real present danger here. There's a warning label on every mission trip you go on. There's a, there's a sticker like on your mattress. Do not rip off whenever you serve the poor. And here's the caution. Verse one again. Be careful not to practice your righteousness, your living out the Christian life in front of others. And here it is. To be seen by them. That's the purpose Jesus is addressing. Wanting to be noticed. And he, he teases that out even more throughout the passage. Look at verse two. 
When you give to the poor, what does it say towards the end in the middle? Don't do it like the hypocrites in the synagogues and on the streets. Why? Because they want to be applauded by people. Verse five, when you pray, don't pray standing on the street corners in the synagogues for this reason to be seen by people. Verse 16, when you fast, don't do it in such a way so that your fasting is obvious to people. So Jesus is saying, as you live out your Christian life, your devotion to me, acting out your right standing with God because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we will do these things. We will serve others. We will give to the poor. We will pray. We will fast. But Jesus is warning about our motive because we can get twisted. We can do the right things for the wrong reasons. And that's, Jesus cares about the reason. And the wrong reason he's dressing is to be noticed. Look at how spiritual I am. Look at the good work I'm doing. Look at this orphan I'm with in Uganda on my social media. Look at my coffee and Bible pick from yesterday morning and how much I highlighted this page. Isn't it awesome? Or right now, me, look at me preaching. There's a danger here. So is it wrong to post a picture of your mission trip? You with that orphan in Uganda? Maybe. Is it wrong to post a picture of your Bible reading spread? Maybe. Beloved, it all depends on your motivations. And other than God, only you know why you do what you do. And it will either be to encourage other people, look at what God's doing, look at the work, this is amazing, hope you're encouraged, or underneath that is the serpent-like exaltation of self. Look at what I'm doing. Jesus tells us these things, warns us about these things, because he loves you. He loves us deeply, truly. I mean, he knows us better than we know ourselves. And he wants us to think about why we do what we do. Because sometimes we live the Christian life and we do certain things so certain people notice. It could be your spouse. Some of you might be here today just because your spouse wants to come. So you're like, okay, I'm going to go too. They want to go. But I'd rather be in bed. I'd rather be playing golf. And Jesus says, I know why you're here. It could be reading your Bible so your spouse notices. Could be a pastor that you want them to notice, serving on Sundays or praying with people after the service, hoping one of us sees how godly you are. Now we should still do all of these things. We still pray, still give to the poor, still fast, support orphans and widows, support pro-life ministries, support missionaries. We should do all of these things. But Jesus says, be careful as you do them. And in fact, there's something striking about this passage. I don't know if you noticed it while we were reading In this passage, Jesus does not command you to give to the poor. In this passage, Jesus does not command you to pray. In this passage, Jesus does not command you to fast. He assumes we will be doing these things already. Look at verse 2. So whenever you give to the poor, Jesus assumes we will all be engaged in giving to the poor, in charity, in serving others. You can blow this up in so many ways. In giving of yourself to others. Jesus assumes we will all be engaged in gospel-focused, biblical, social justice ministries. 
Verse five, whenever you pray, Jesus assumes we will be praying, that we won't need teachings on, hey, you should pray. He assumes we'll be doing it already. Verse 16, fasting. Should we talk about that? Whenever you fast, Jesus assumes we'll be fasting. And not just, oh, okay, I won't won't go on Facebook this week. No, that's not fasting. That's just fixing your life. Fasting, the real foregoing of food, getting a rumbly in my tumbly so I can connect again with deeper realities in this universe with God. The way Jesus talks here, it's as though these are regular occurrences in the Christian life. Are they a part of yours? Regular giving of yourself to others, extending yourself to others, praying, fasting, And here Jesus begins with this first warning label, be careful when you serve others. Be careful when you serve others. So let's look at verse two. Let's let's dive into what Jesus is saying. So be, be careful as you practice your righteousness before others, be seen by them, verse two. So when you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by people. Now this is, so it's not just giving to the poor. That is what Jesus is addressing. It was common in his day and not as common in, in our day today, but it's blown up to giving of yourself to others. And this is meant to be funny because there is no historical practice of people hiring a brass band with them as they dropped money in the box to give to the poor. So you could imagine the scenario here. Imagine as the offering baskets go by later that you're like, oh, hold on. You take out a pitch pipe and you hired a brass band as, as you gave in the plate. I'm like, what's wrong with that guy? Jesus is saying, this is the analogy. As you pack up your truck and you take a, a load of stuff to team, the Tomball Emergency Assistance Ministries, and as you're unloading it, that you've hired a five-piece band to bring people around and to watch you give all of your stuff to people. Jesus says, don't you see how ridiculous this is? How unnecessary and attention-getting this is? And that's Jesus's point. That sometimes we do those things wishing there was a brass band, wishing there was a quartet announcing how great we are. Jesus says, don't serve others so that you'll be seen and applauded by others, to be applauded by people. And Jesus says, if that's what you want, you got it. Look at what he says in verse two. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. You wanted that, you got it. And you get nothing more. This is our danger, especially now with the advent of social media. Back in first century Jerusalem, they just had a small network of people they were trying to impress. Now some of us have thousands of friends. The praise of others is a danger. And I couldn't think of a better quote than one from Michael Scott. The fictional goofball boss on the show, The Office, he said it so well when he said, do I need to be liked? Absolutely not. I like to be liked. I enjoy being liked. I have to be liked. But it's not like this compulsive need to be liked, like my need to be praised. This is our danger. And Jesus calls these people hypocrites. We know this word and idea. It's, it's the Greek word was used to talk about actors in a play who, who played multiple roles and had to put on different masks to suit their role for the moment. They're playing the part, but there's something else at another time. 
So if we serve others and we, we go on mission trips and we serve in Redeemer Kids and we give, and, but we're, we're monitoring the number of likes and comments we get and we hope certain people notice, Jesus says, you are playing the part of someone who's serving others, but you're really only serving yourself. So be careful as you practice your righteousness in front of others. It's, and listen, beloved, it's unavoidable in some cases to be noticed. You give to the church. You get a giving statement. It's noticed. You serve and redeemer kids. What do you get? You get a shirt that says, I serve and redeemer kids on it. I'm up here preaching. Like, can't be like, don't look at me. Everybody turn around. You know, like, no. There's some places it's unavoidable to be noticed. So Jesus isn't abolishing all public ministry and all being noticed. He is forbidding recognition as the reason for it all. And look, he, gets, he brings us another funny scenario, verse three. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Again, this is meant to make us kind of go, oh, that's, that's a good one, Jesus. Because we can get too spiritual in all the wrong ways sometimes. Ah, the hands. Okay, left, left, right hand. Oh yeah, the, uh, Paul says we're the body of Christ. So what Jesus is saying is that uh, a member all the way on this side, on my right, they should not let someone on the left side of the church know what they're doing. They should just do it. Or since it's the right and that's the strong hand and that's the leading hand, most of us, it's, it's the hand that we do most stuff with. And the left hand is kind of the supporting hand. So yeah, those would be like husband and wife. And so the husband, he doesn't have to let his wife know what they're doing. no. That's not what Jesus is teaching. What, he said, real, what do our hands do? Our hands almost always work in concert together. When you got to pick a fingernail, what do you do? Use your other hand. When you're getting dressed, you're using both your hands. They work in concert. When you're cooking, your hands are working in concert together. When I was typing the sermon, my hands were working in concert together. So when Jesus says, don't let your left hand know what your right is doing, he says, I want you to be so low key that your hands have to have a conversation. Hey, I thought we were a team. He imagined it's so slick that you, you give a homeless guy a $5 bill and it's so discreet, so low key, that your left hand goes, hey, what's going on? We're a team. We work together. What did you do? I didn't see that. And your right hand talks back. I can't tell you. And it goes away. Like it should be, Jesus said, do you see? Like it should be so secret that even your hands that are almost always working in concert together they're not even flaunting it to one another. This is his point. Discreet, low profile, doesn't care about attention. And look at verse four. This is why. So that you're giving me being secret and your father who sees in secret. Do you see the difference? Public, street, synagogue, secret. He will reward you. Your father sees and he will reward you. Jesus motivates us with a reward. Some want the approval of others. And Jesus says, my disciples want the smile of their father in heaven. And if you have kids, you know exactly, or you have grandkids or nieces and nephews, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. You know what I hear all the time from my five-year-old son, Oliver? All the time in our house. Papa, watch this. Hey, Papa, watch this. Papa, watch me. Watch me. Watch me do this. He doesn't jump off the couch. Did you see that? He writes his name really well. Pencil grip. Work on a pencil grip. He's got it. He did, maybe he does the eye. Perfect. Did you see that? He shoots a basketball in his room and his little goal that he's got, James Harden, and he throws it up. Did you see that? 
He's doing ninja moves in the living room. Watch me. He wants me to see him. He wants a reward, doesn't he? And he's not looking for a coin. You know, give me a dollar. He's not looking for a gold star. He just wants my smile. He just wants my love. He just, he wants my approval of him. Good job, buddy. When he does a ninja move, are you proud of me? Yeah, I'm proud of you. He just wants my affection and my enjoyment of him. So Jesus is showing us, do you see, what do you want? What do you want from the father? Did you realize what you have in the father? Because by the death of Christ and by his uncorpsing of himself, of coming back to life, now the father looks down on us as those who are united in Christ. And he says, I'm proud of you. I'm pleased with you. I accept you. And so when we serve the poor and we give to others, are you serving Redeemer kids? Are you pray with somebody in secret? We're saying, Father, watch me. Did you see that? No one else saw. I know you saw it, Father. And he says, well done. I'm proud of you, my child. Be careful when you give and serve to others. And be careful now, Jesus says, be careful when you pray and fast. Be careful when you pray and fast. Verse five, whenever you pray, and then verse 16, whenever you fast. So, so Jesus is showing us about prayer and fasting. These two intense spiritual devotion activities. Fasting is when you do forego food to fuel your desire for God, to limit your pleasure of food and the satisfaction of it, to get in tune with God again, to bring your requests as your stomach rumbles and Jesus rebukes, making the fast obvious. We've probably all, if you've ever fasted, you may have done it at some point or told, you've seen other people who are fasting. Oh, I'm starving. Oh, why? I've been fasting all week. You blew it. You know, like you did that for nothing, you know? Talk about a cheat day. I mean, you just blew it. You ruined it. Looking disheveled and so hungry. Jesus says the same thing about prayer. Look at verse five. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, those playing the mass, playing the roles, because they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. So, So there it is again. They love to put their spirituality on notice. They love to peacock their spiritual feathers and strut around so people can see how spiritual they are. And there's just lots of ways we can think about this. Using big Bible words when you pray. Oh, most holy triune God. There's a prayer voice we get all of a sudden. Lord. Jesus. Yeah, like all these kinds of things. No one, do you talk like that? But then adding these big Bible words, thank you, Lord, for the, just the predestination that is totally infralapsarian before time began. I want to thank you for the dispensational aspects of the covenants that are now arrived in the millennium. What are we talking about? We talk like that to try to impress people. And Jesus says, I know what you're doing. And here Jesus is talking about praying in public, synagogue, street corners, all these things. So let's think about something. What do you think Jesus thinks about praying in a restaurant? Praying there in Lupe Tortilla. Is Jesus pro or anti-public prayer? Obviously, he's pro. He teaches us how to pray. He prays in public. 
His prayers are written down for us. His disciples pray. We have their prayers written down. So, so Jesus is pro-public prayer. But remember, what is Jesus cautioning against? Praying to be seen, to be noticed, to skyrocket your spirituality for others. So listen, if you pray in a restaurant, great, but don't make a big deal about it. Don't make it awkward for the server, making them hold that tray and we've got to finish praying. But if you do, if you do pray in a restaurant and you think in your heart as you're there and you're all head bowed, every eye closed and and you're praying, and if you think in your heart and mind, I hope people are noticing us. I wonder if people are looking and I know we've thought these things because I've thought them before too. Oh, I wonder if they're noticing that we're all Christians, that we're good people, that we're serious, that they see us. Jesus says, if you think that, you have your reward. So go ahead and thank God for the daily bread. But I want to let you know, I want to let you in on a secret about prayer. You can pray with your eyes open. It works just the same. And you can pray with your head up. Try it. It works just the same. You can pray and not be seen. You could pray in such a way to where nobody even knows that you're praying, but just your father in secret. Only God would know. Would that be okay for you? What Jesus is teaching us is that prayer isn't evangelism. Prayer is not an evangelism strategy. It's talking to our father. And prayer isn't preaching. Giving a little mini sermon to others as they listen. No, it's talking to God, not everybody else. That's why he says in verse six, why not just go to the private room and pray? When you pray, go to your private room, lock the door, shut the door. This was the supply closet, the shed. No one would ever hang out in here. Only room typically they would able to have locked. No one hangs out in there. Jesus says, instead of the street, go to the shed. If that's okay, then you know why you're praying. If that's not okay, then you know why you're praying. Your father will smile on you because you're praying for the right reasons. I just have an audience of one, my father. And also don't pray like this, verse seven. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. So pagan religions taught, you gotta, you gotta storm the gods, get attention and attack him with words, wear them down, bully them into getting what you want, rapid fire words and phrases, conjure up like a spell, just say the same things over and over and over and over and over. And then you can wear the gods down. This is another strategy of children, isn't it? Can I have an Oreo? 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 Please? Please? Hoping they wear you down. You cave. Yes. We'll be in the car. I'm listening to music. I'm listening to my kids. Can we listen to this? Can we listen to this? Can we listen to this? No, I can't listen to that again. Jesus says, that's not how we talk to our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven isn't like that at all. What is he like? Verse 8. Don't be like them. Why? Because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. Your father knows you. Your father knows you better than you know you. And he knows what each and every one of us in this room needs before we ask. Our father, your father in heaven knows what you need before you even know what you need. So Jesus reminds us prayer isn't a news briefing to God. 
It's not an update on what's going on with us and what we'd like. Like on TV, that has a little text scrolling at the bottom, little news briefings, what's going on, what's going on. There is, the Father's not watching over the universe. Oh, there's matters. Okay, great. Okay, oh, that's what's going on. No, prayer is not an update to the Lord. And another thing I've noticed with kids, and the reason why I keep talking about myself as a father and with kids, because what are we hearing from Jesus? Here's how we relate to our father. So I, I think the parent-child relationship, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't like the Trinity thought, oh my goodness, look what we, this would be a perfect analogy. We can use this. They designed it this way. It was built into humanity so we would see these relationships and go, oh, this is how we relate to the father. And you know, as a parent, whoever's around kids, when they keep saying your name over and over, Papa, 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 Papa. And then my wife goes, are you going to answer them? Huh? Sorry, I was just so caught up in the game. I just, what? You're thinking about something else. And they're saying, you don't even hear it. So that's not how our father in heaven is. And we call out to him, Abba, Father. We call out to him, God. And he's not like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, what? No, he, he's with us. We don't have to get his attention. It's always on us. And he knows what we need. And when we know what he, when we know that he knows what we need, then we're learning what we really do need. Not what we think we need, but what we need. And we can trust him. And in our house, after dinner, every time, I know what Ivy is going to ask. What's for dessert? Every time. She's making a request. And I know every time, depending on what we have in stock, she may say, can I have an ice cream sandwich? The little mini ones. Can I have a cookie? Can I have a fruit bar? Can I have this? And depending on the day, what she's already had, and what time it is, if she has a soccer game in the morning, I may say yes to certain things, and I may say no to certain things, because I know what she needs and what she doesn't need. And Oliver's the same way. This kid always wants sparkling water. He's waking up 6.30 in the morning. Can I have sparkling water? No. Or Gatorade. Can I have Gatorade? And same thing. Has he already had one today? Um, no, man, you need water. Sparkling? No, just water. Milk. See, I, I know as an imperfect father what my kids need. And so, guys, how much more do you think the eternal, perfect, holy, loving father that he knows what you need when we don't. We can trust him because he loves us and cares for us. And God knowing what we need before we ask isn't meant to make us go, well, why ask? That's some of our personalities. We read that. He knows what you need before you ask. And some of us go, well, what's the point of praying? That's not how we should hear that from Jesus. Instead, Jesus says, since your father knows what you need, it should make us pray rightly. Look at how Jesus transitions. So look at verse eight and go right into nine with me. Don't be like them because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. Therefore, since that's true, since the father knows what you need, therefore you should pray like this. And he takes us into the Lord's prayer. Now we could do a whole series on the Lord's prayer. And maybe one day we will. I could make, the, whole, the Lord's Prayer, multiple sermons in and of itself, but I didn't want to do that because I didn't want us to miss out on the simplicity of the Lord's Prayer. It's really amazing how simple and yet profound the Lord's Prayer really is. 
So just think with me for a second. Jesus just rebuked offering up many words, babbling on and on and on with our many words. And then what does Jesus teach us next? What does he give us next after rebuking, having many words in prayer? He gives us a prayer that is 30 seconds. Don't have many words. Don't toss up many empty phrases. Here, take this 30 seconds and put it to work in your life. That's how long the Lord's prayer is. Slowly, if you read it slowly, 30 seconds. Short prayers are good, powerful, pointed. What I love about what Jesus has given us here is that, beloved, Jesus eases the burden a lot of us feel in prayer. Because a lot of us feel like we don't pray as well as we should. A lot of us feel like we don't pray as often as we should. A lot of us feel like we're not good at it. We don't say the right things. We don't pray enough. We don't pray well. We don't pray long. I try and I get distracted and I start thinking about work. I start thinking about the kids' lunches. And I start thinking about what's going to go on and whatever, whatever, whatever. Jesus says, I understand all that. 30 seconds is fine. Jesus says right here, I, I love short, simple prayers offered up to our Father in heaven. There will be times for long sessions. There will be times where you do use big words and you're storming the gates of heaven like, like we did last night. But right here, the simple prayer is great. And look what Jesus says in verse nine. Pray like this. Copy it. Imitate it. Let it form and shape the rest of your prayers as a disciple of Christ. For centuries now, Christians have taken this section the model prayer or the Lord's prayer, and they've memorized it and, and they've put it to work in their life of their simple pursuit of God. And I encourage you, if you've never memorized it, memorize it and wield it. You put it to work in your life. You will find it's encouraging to you as you're just driving, as you're thinking, as you're working out, as you're cooking. You just say it to yourself, our Father who art in heaven. Either hallowed be your name, depending on where you're at, your name be honored as holy. You just go, you go through it. We said it last night in our prayer time for Kevin. It's so encouraging. So what I want us to do in closing is just look at the high points of the Lord's prayer here and not go, you know, sometimes we can go word by word and chop them down and drill down deep. Uh, but then sometimes I think we can miss the forest for the trees. We can miss the horizon of what this, this, what this shows us. So let's just go through it quickly. And really just the first word of the Lord's prayer, our Father in heaven, our you could miss that whole word and really miss a huge part. Our Father teaches us, plural, prayer is communal. Something we do together. Prayer is done in partnership with other Christians. Even when you pray in privacy, it, it's, we pray in community. As a church here, yes, but also as a part of the body of Christ all around the world. When you pray, you, you are also as calling on a father that other people in Dubai, they're calling on Father. People in Mexico are calling out Father. People at churches down the street are calling out the Father. We're all united together in praying. Our Father. And Jesus is teaching us, saying, hey, my Father, you can call him Father. Because what Jesus has done for us in his death and resurrection, taking all of our sins and him dying and rising, now he says, now you have access to the Father. 
You can talk to him. When the veil tore in the temple from top to bottom, it was because heaven was ripping that veil open down to earth and saying, now I want to hear from you. Talk to me through my son. In Jesus, you could boil down the Lord's prayer to really two broad categories. Pray for God's glory and pray for our good. This is what the bulk of our prayers should, see, should be, Jesus says. Pray for God's glory and pray for our good. And notice I said God's glory and our good, not your good. Our, our Father, all of us praying for everybody, not just praying for yourself, but do pray for yourself, but pray for others. And Jesus shows us how this plays out. You may have heard of other, like a great acronym for prayers, acts, adoration, praise to God, confession, forgive me, trespasses, my debts, that's in here. Thanksgiving, thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you for this. True. Supplication, requests, that's in here too. But just remember, God's glory, our good. God's glory, our good. And here, look at all the yours. Verse nine, your name, 10, your kingdom, your will, Godward, praying for God's glory. I want your kingdom to expand. I want your son to be made much of. I want him to return soon. I want him to set everything right in this broken world. Those are the kinds of things we pray for. And your will be done. I want your commands, your ways. That's what I want in my life. And that's what I want, notice what? On earth, Jesus expects that we will have global, huge, cosmic prayers. Not just thinking about my little dinky life. I'm thinking about the world. I want you to change the world, God. I want cancer to end. I want abortion to end. The end of trafficking. The end of injustice and racism. That the the culture of heaven would invade the culture of earth and take it over. So Jesus is teaching us, pray for more than yourself. Pray for the whole world. Pray for God's glory. And then he moves us towards requests. Verse 11, look. And give us today... Today, don't worry about next year. Some of us are so panicked about next week. Some of us are so anxious about next year. Jesus says, think about today. Give us today our daily bread. Now, obviously this can be about provisions and food and there are Christians all around the world who praying for provision and food is front and center. But what about us? Give us today our daily bread. A lot of us, we have loaves of bread. We've got Instacart and Shipped and H-E-B. We're good. So what does this mean on another level? Well, think about bread. Is there anything for those of us in a non-famine scenario, is there anything more ordinary than bread? So what Jesus is teaching us is pray about the ordinariness of life. Bring that to the Father too. You can bring your ordinary, bready things in life and bring them to God. He cares. It looks something like this. Father, give me wisdom in in my job. I don't know about this meeting. Give me wisdom. Father, give me wisdom in my marriage. Give me bread to bring this to work. Father, give me wisdom in my singleness. Jesus, I need guidance on schooling choices for my kids. And these are ordinary, daily, mundane things, but they matter to God and they matter to us. And Jesus is saying, God cares about these things. The brightness of life, bring it to God. And we know another ordinary common thing in our life, our failures and our sins, verse 12. And forgive us. 
Forgive us our debts. The Hebrew idea of them racking up like a debt that we can't afford to pay and we can't fix. So what does Jesus say to do with these debts? We ask, forgive us, release us from them. Let them go. So what Jesus is showing us is the gospel is reverberating here. God, forgive us, release us from them. Don't hold them against us. I know there's a giant bill I cannot pay. I am way in debt to you because of my sins. So will you just set me free from them, please? It's an audacious request. And in Jesus' blood, the blood on the ground at Jerusalem and the blood pumping through his body right now in the heavenly places, the father answers that request. You got it. You want me to forgive you? Done. God loves to forgive sinners. And God loves to forgive you. All you must do is ask. And it's answered, yes, in Christ. And notice what Jesus also says. Look what's next. As we also have forgiven our debtors. You see the effects of praying? God, forgive me of the sin. Oh, you reminded me. I need to forgive someone too. Okay, Lord, I forgive them. And Jesus says, if you don't forgive others, how do you even know you're going to be forgiven? Because the, the domino effect of us being forgiven is that we want to forgive others too. We want to see people cleansed in the blood of Christ and the blood of Christ empowering us to forgive. And finally, Jesus says in verse 13, realize you're in a spiritual war and do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You pray for holiness. It's asking for God, keep me out of tempting times. It's, it, Jesus isn't teaching us. God brings us into tempting scenarios. He, he's showing us to ask, Lord, I don't want to be brought into that. So don't let that unfold in my life. Please keep me out. That's why he says, then deliver me from the evil one. Deliver me from temptations of Satan. Jesus is reminding every single one of us in this room, because we live such cushy, comfortable Christian lives. He's reminding us, you are in a spiritual war. Don't forget it. The prayer begins, our father in heaven and ends with our enemy that slithers on the earth. We're in a spiritual war. So don't think the Christian life is a homeschool minivan. The Christian life is a tank. The Christian life is a Mad Max Fury Road war vehicle with skulls on the front and with fire shooting out the back because we are in a war and we call on God to help us. Our Father in heaven, deliver me from the evil one. Don't pray to be noticed by others. Pray to bring your needs to God. Pray for his glory. Pray for your good over and over and over because this is how we walk with the crucified and risen Christ. His righteousness at work in us. As we live out, as we practice our righteousness that he's now given us, he redefines, Jesus redefines how we do it, why we do it, how we pray, how we serve. So church, be careful when you drive home today and be careful if you pray at the restaurant too. And let's be careful as we pray together now. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.